Okay, this is Brent Leary, and with me right now is the CEO of Satmetrics, Richard Owen. Richard, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for the invitation. Now, before we jump into a conversation uh, around the subject area of net promoter score and kind of loyalty and sincerity and all these good things, maybe you can give us a little bit of your personal background. Sure. So I'm uh, an Englishman by birth and an American by naturalization. Um, I got my first degree in the UK, and my second degree was from uh, MIT here in the United States. Uh, I spent my entire career in technology industry. Uh, half of it was with uh, Dell Computer Corporation, uh, and then the other half in uh, in software companies out here in Silicon Valley. So uh, I've been out in California for about uh, 14 years now. And talk to us a little bit about Satmetrics, the company, what you guys do. So Satmetrics is in the business of really doing three things. One is we're a software company. We have uh, customer experience management technology that looks at customers' uh, end-to-end journey through the customer experience and creates uh, analytics around that that helps companies figure out how they're going to create higher lifetime value for the customers. So that's understanding the loyalty level of customers and how it impacts the the end-to-end customer experience. We have large data sets that we've built up over over a decade of experience that tells companies how they perform and uh, and how that they uh, should be performing in terms of how they treat the customers. And we have uh, a substantial um, uh, expertise now in the methodology which we co-created uh, 10 years ago, the Net Promoter Score, with some uh, 40,000 members of our Net Promoter community, some six or 7,000 companies being through our certification expertise-based processes. Uh, and so we, we're something of a, of a subject matter expert in the field of customer experience and Net Promoter Score. Let's, let's go right there. Give us uh, a definition of what Net Promoter Score is. So Net Promoter Score started as a business metric, and the origin of it was a piece of research that was done by uh, Satmetrics and uh, a Bain Fellow Emeritus, uh, Fred Reicheld, looking to see whether there was some kind of uh, linkage between customer loyalty and the financial performance of companies. And they discovered that there was a pretty good correlation between the growth of businesses in any given industry and the willingness of customers uh, to recommend companies in that industry. So they created this methodology based around the metric. And the metric is really based on asking companies, uh, asking customers, I should say, whether they would recommend a brand to a friend or colleague. And people who very strongly feel they make that recommendation uh, become promoters. People who are more uh, uh, negative about that are detractors. And the percentage of promoters different from the percentage of detractors, represents the net promoter score. So it started as this metric, and we found a whole variety of ways in which that type of data links to business and financial outcomes. So a lot of people embrace the idea of using this as the de facto standard for how they would measure the health of their customer base. But over the years, net promoter scores evolved substantially, and it's now become rather like Six Sigma, a whole series of management processes and best practices associated with how people execute customer experience management. So it's become quite a 
sort of kind of uh, sort of uh, overall business practice with its own conferences, with its own levels of expertise, very much like Six Sigma, I would say. So let's think about it in the terms of, uh, you know, maybe you said it started out roughly 10 years ago. 10 years ago, there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter, there were no smartphones, uh, there was a very limited text messaging. Uh, so there's all these new channels, there's all these new areas and places to communicate and share information and, and share experiences. How, over those 10 years, and, and with the rise of social and cloud and, and mobile, how has Net Promoter, uh, how has the Net Promoter score uh, changed, if any, in terms of its effectiveness in helping understand the, the uh, link between customer loyalty and financial performance? Well, that's, that's, a, that's a great question, and, and what I think happened now is that we're, we're entering an era where customer recommendation and word of mouth has grown in importance almost every year of the last decade. I think if you went back 10 years ago, you could make the argument that uh, having a relatively poor product or service, you could kind of get away with it. Um, you might be able to do so because there wasn't a very strong word-of-mouth effect. We always kind of knew that people talked, but it wasn't as visible. What social media has done is it's really put a spotlight on word-of-mouth. It's brought that into the public and open space, and it's accelerated consumers' willingness to share experiences in real time. Let me give a practical example I like to, I like to share, which is the movie industry. So 10, 15 years ago, if you had a really lousy movie, you would open up the weekend with perhaps quite a strong box office because it would take people three or four days before the market became aware of the fact that the movie wasn't really very good. Now you have people sharing feedback on a movie within hours, if not minutes, of it opening. And movies can be crushed within just a matter of, of a few hours. Whereas perhaps a sleeper movie that hasn't received a lot of promotion would actually get a very positive word of mouth and can grow to being a very big success. So there's been a seismic shift in the balance of power from producers to consumers, and social media has really uh, accelerated that. And that's led to, I think, a lot of businesses doing well who had always found ways to capitalize on that. Uh, and you think of companies that have enjoyed extraordinary growth like Starbucks, businesses that haven't really advertised a lot but have grown through word of mouth, uh, or eBay, a lot of tech companies, Facebook, etc. itself. And it's really been a transfer of power from those companies that relied on a lot of heavy-duty advertising as a mechanism for acquiring customers. They look, they look a little bit less uh, attractive today, and they, they show less of a growth dynamic. So I think we're entering into an era where customers are far more in the driver's seat, where the viewpoint of customers is far more visible, and, and that's raising companies' uh, stakes when it comes to understanding their own customer experience and how well they're going to compete. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what are good net promoter scores. Uh, what's, I'm sure they're kind of, you could break it down into industries, but if there's some general rules of thumb as to what a, uh, what a score is and, uh, well, maybe I'll just ask you, you know, just for that, and then I'll have a follow-up around that. Sure. Well, so it turns out that every industry has a threshold at which um, success really starts to play out for the companies that exceed that level. 
And, and this, this is kind of intuitive common sense if you think about it, because we know some industries are characterized by very, very high levels of customer excellence. If you think about the luxury hotel business, if you're in the luxury hotel chain and you're not achieving 60, 70, 80% net promoter score, you're probably not being very competitive. There's other industries, <coughs> excuse me, other industries that I think are not characterized by uh, dramatic differentials in customer experience. And these are often industries where there is more significant switching costs or reduced competition. So they, they often have very low levels of net promoter score still being successful in the industry. That could be uh, low single digits. So there's no one score applies. It's very industry specific. As a general rule, um, the lower the switching costs, the easier it is for customers to move. The uh, shorter the contract cycles, in other words, the less lock-in people have through contracts, uh, the more competitive the industry, the higher the NPS is that represents a winning, a winning hand. Um, and generally, business-to-consumer scores are higher than business-to-business -business scores. And that's, that's also a function of just emotional reaction. People tend to have more uh, higher-level empathetic or emotional reactions to consumer products in their lives and they do business products. It's a little easier to get emotional about you know, the, new, uh, the new iPhone you bought than perhaps it is about your choice of accounting firm. So that, that <laughs> tends to be much more reduced B2B than B2C. But there's, there's no single answer. I, I would say this, though. If you're a business-to-business -business company and you're getting uh, net promoter scores in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, you're probably doing pretty well. Uh, if you're a business-to-consumer company, you should be looking to get scores in the 40s, 50s, and 60s to feel like you're, you're, you're doing a great job. And what are some of the things, if there are any kind of rules of thumb, to get those net promoter scores up? Say you are you know, in the 20s and 40s, and the industry standard is more closer to 50s and 60s. What are some of the things that a company can do to bring up those scores? So I think that, again, it's hard to identify sort of generic rules because that's really unusually quite specific to the business itself because it's something about the business now it's operating that's right. creating those promoters or detractors. What I, what I would say is there are a few things that everybody should be, everybody should be doing just as, a, just as a matter of course. First of all, um, you, should be, you should be making an effort to recover detractors. When you identify customers who have a negative experience, it's important to go and try and recover them for two reasons. First of all, because people respond very favorably to good faith efforts to recover situations. Secondly, because every time you talk to a customer who's directly expressing dissatisfaction, you're, you're learning something about your business. You're actually getting a great insight as to what the fundamental problems are that you need to fix. So what I find is a lot of companies get obsessed by the idea that they're in the business of surveying customers to ask them questions to sort of get some kind of super research process done. And really what they should be doing here is spending less time worrying about how they're surveying people and spending much more time worried about what that's telling them in terms of what they should be doing with their business and how are they going to respond to customers who are less than happy uh, in ways that actually both educate themselves and, and make a good faith effort to recover those people. What should a company do uh, uh, who's on the road, they're seeing improvement 
in their NPR. I keep on saying NPR. NPS. And but yet they don't feel like they're seeing the financial benefit from it. Is there a lag time between the NPS going up and financials following suit, or is there something that they need to kind of uh, look at and and maybe uh, tweak a little more in and how they measure the NPS? Well, there could there could be multiple reasons. I'll, I'll give you some of the most common. F- first of all. Uh, there could be a lag time. So if you're, uh, what we know is that customers take time to respond to a fundamental change in experience uh, in, in, in financially impactful ways. And so it's not the case that this is a finely tuned instrument that creates an immediate return. Companies focused on NPS are typically doing so with a view to improving their business performance over a multi-year horizon because they're making an investment in their future they're not necessarily going to see the immediate impact on their business unless they, unless they uh, remedy some dramatic problem that they had in their company in the short term. So there is a, there is a time lag effect. It's possible that, uh, that they're not actually measuring a very accurate net promoter score. They may have very poor response rates or they may have selective data. And so they could be looking at the data and thinking that they're improving when actually what they're really suffering from is a poor quality of data. And I think it's important to build a really robust data set. And most companies struggle to do that because they, they aren't necessarily executing the way they collect data in a very effective fashion. They're not building good lists of customers. They're not asking the right questions in the right sequence. So they could be looking at the wrong data. But then the final point I'd make is, back to the issue of relative performance. If your NPS is 20 and all your competitors are at 40 or 50, then improving from 20 to 25 is going to have no material impact on your business. You know, it's only going to matter when you start to play with the right relative stakes for performance. And so I would argue that you have to have some context within which you understand whether your performance is good or improving or improving enough uh, to understand how that plays out. So there's a variety of factors here going to uh, equating it to economic performance over time. And is the NPS a good metric that can be used by any size business? It can, but I think the way it gets used is, is, is a little bit different as you move up and down the spectrum. So if you're a business with a relatively small number of customers, let's imagine you have 40 or 50 customers or, or even 100 customers, and you, know, you look at this, um, at that point, you're not so much interested in some sort of extrapolation from a sample of customers. So some customers would say, well, you go off and you, you do a survey, and maybe you get 30 40% response rate, so maybe 30 of your 100 customers respond, and you're going to extrapolate the results from that. So you're going to use some statistical methods. To me, that's not very interesting with small numbers. I would be far more concerned with looking at each of those scores independently and saying, forget adding it all up and forget creating averages. If you've got a small number of customers, look at each one individually and figure out what you want to do with every single score. So for smaller companies, it typically becomes less about statistics and more about just getting individual scores, identifying promoters, identifying detractors, and figuring out what you want to do. Of course, as you get into bigger companies, or more precisely, companies with a lot more customers, 
then you start to rely a little bit more on statistical techniques to give you an overview of your business, and you start to sub-segment the data according to the way in which your business is organized. Um, so it can apply to companies of all size. And, and I'd say one final point. I think there's a philosophy behind this that does apply to any business, whether you're a corner store or you're a multi-billion dollar enterprise, which is that getting your head around the idea that there's this group of customers called promoters who are your entire source of growth and profits in all likelihood, and getting the company to think in terms of their activities as being how do we create more and more of these people as a mechanism for growth. That's a cultural phenomenon that transcends companies of all sizes, and I found, frankly, is more present in smaller businesses than larger companies. We've been having a great conversation with Richard Owen, CEO of Satmetrics. Richard, where can people learn more about what you guys do and, and to learn more about uh, how they may be able to leverage the uh, NPS to help build loyalty and, and hopefully a more successful business? Well, we have two great websites full of resources. One is the company website, which is uh, satmetrics.com. But also we have an industry website with best practices and more white papers and data called netpromoter.com. And so both of those are great places to learn all about this. Um, and for those who really want to dig into the techniques, uh, we have a, a very successful book on the market called Answering the Ultimate Question, which sort of gives a lot of the trade secrets away. So if you're the kind of person that likes to sort of dig into textbooks, that's another great way to figure it out. I like that. Answering the Ultimate Question. We'll definitely uh, make sure that people uh, know about that. Uh, but once again, thanks for, for taking the time and, and really digging in and, and letting us understand you know, where the NPS fits in today because I'm assuming that it, it may be a little different than it was 10 years ago and possibly it may be fitting in a little differently than in five years from now than it is you know, currently. So uh, thanks again for kind of helping us exp and explaining it through. You're most welcome.